Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. He is worthy. He's the king of all kings. We get to be here today to to worship him and be a part of his family. How good is that? You know, today we get another treat uh, to be able to pray over our pastors. Um, We get to pray to the worthy, to the king of all kings and submit our church to him. So Pastor John, if you guys would come up, Pastor Tim, um, they're going on their annual vision retreat next week. And, and this really important time, because we know what our vision is, is to flourish in God's grace, to bear fruit in our, in our community and, and beyond. But, but how do you do that? How do you equip the saints, us, to be involved, to be excited and encouraged by the Lord? And so um, it's just a great moment for us as a church family to be able to pray and bless our pastors. So if you guys would, if y'all would stand with me. If you're comfortable, if you'd raise a hand up. If you're not, that's okay. But we just want to bless over them right now and celebrate the Lord as they go off and do this really important time. Father God, thank you. Thank you for being our Lord. Thank you for being worthy, Lord. You're worthy of our time, our worship, our plans. Lord, this is your church. It's not our church. It's our church to steward, but it's your church, Lord. So we beg you to do a work in Pastor John and Pastor Tim to give them wisdom as they seek your wisdom, just as you tell us in in James chapter 1, verse 5, you say you'll give us your wisdom as we seek it, Lord. So help them to humbly come before you, to trust you, to rest in you, to not make this all about them or their efforts, Lord, that it's all about you. And so, Father, I I ask, we ask as a church family that they would enjoy their time together, that they would enjoy fellowship, that they would enjoy being with you, Lord, and you would reveal your plans to them for our church. Lord, we give you thanks for who they are and how they are in you and how you're changing them daily, how you're changing us, Lord. Do a work. It's in your wonderful son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. So uh, I'm Mark Pugh. I'm pastor outreach and operations here at, at, the, uh, at the Vine. And I'm excited to be here with you to be able to celebrate God's word. Whether you're in person or online, thank you for, for coming. Thank you for joining in with this family. And Um, You know, we've been in the book of Mark for the last couple of weeks. We've been in chapters 8 and chapters 9. And so uh, today we're going to be talking about verses 27 to 30 in chapter 8. So if you guys would, go ahead and grab your Bibles out. Again, we're looking at uh, Mark 8, 27 to 30. You know, it's said that this book, this book of Mark in... uh, I, I got a joke that's not funny now that I, I just, I'm Mark, and I'm getting to teach out of the book of Mark. Brian, that's kind of entertaining that, you know, I get to do that. But this book of Mark, it's a fast-paced drama. It answers the question, who is Jesus? It's the shortest of the Gospels. And it's got a lot of great action to it. It's 16 chapters long. And, 
Um, you know, when I first became a, a follower of Christ, I was really, really excited about who Jesus was in my life. I didn't come to faith until my late 20s. Um, and so I, I bought some books called More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. Love the book. Part of the reason I love it is because it's really small and I'm not a huge reader. So it was kind of short. Um, but it, it also was filled with just all sorts of good thought-provoking questions and information and evidence about who is Jesus. So I'd give that book out to a lot of people. I was around a lot of, of people who were not followers of Christ. And so I was just excited about what Jesus was doing in my life. But, you know, as I think back upon those days, I realize I'm not sure that I fully got what it meant in my life that Jesus is the Christ. I don't think I fully got that. I kind of thought, hey, he, he saved me. I understood that. I, I thought I need an insurance plan. He's my insurance plan to get to heaven. Because in my 20s, I needed an insurance plan. But I realize now he's, he's way more than that. He helps us to be free when we really believe and confess that Jesus is the, the Christ. It is freeing. He changes us. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let's, let's look at our, our verses here. So we've got, um, this is Mark 8, 27 to 30. And it says, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But, but who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell nobody about it. So we can see, you know, this is a big deal to, to be the Christ. But to understand that, we, we need to pause and go, what's that word mean? Christ. So, I, you know, if we, if we go to Scripture, which ought to be our main source of a definition of something, it actually lined up with what the internet said this time. A lot of times they don't, they don't go hand in hand, and we, we trust the Bible. But the definition of the Christ is the Son of the living God, the Messiah, the, the Deliverer, our Savior. So again, being the Christ is a big deal. So let's look at who else is in this chapter or this, this passage Who's Jesus talking to? And we know he's in uh, Caesarea Philippi when we look at verse 27. 827. He's in Caesarea Philippi, which is just north of Galilee. It's a little further north from uh, Jerusalem. And Caesarea Philippi was filled up with a bunch of, of Romans who were worshiping a bunch of different pagan gods. And while the Romans were worshiping a multitude of gods, the Jewish people, they were focused on waiting and hoping for this Christ, for their one true God. The Jewish people they had been waiting for this, and, and, and for 2,000 years, they were believing and hoping from Abraham to Moses to King David. They knew about the covenant of God from the prophets and from these people that, that, that God would be their God, our God, and we would be his people. The, the, the Christ was not a new thought to the Jewish people, but it's also important to note that the Jewish people were looking for a king. They were expecting somebody to come along that was very powerful and that would help reduce their suffering. 
would take care of their daily problems. I got a feeling we do that a lot today. I got a feeling we're thinking Jesus is kind of an answer to taking care of some of our problems. So here's what the crowds would have seen leading up to to chapter 8 in Mark. They would have seen that he just calmed the water, calmed the storm, walked on the water, could control nature. He had fed 4,000 and 5,000 with a few loaves of bread and some fish. You know, he had, he had done some miracles, a lot of miracles. He had healed people. He had drove out demons through the book. And you know what? He caused some controversy. After he fed the 5,000, he says, hey, by the way, I'm the bread of life. And if you want salvation, you need to eat my flesh. That's kind of a weird answer, right? So he's a big deal. People knew that. But it, it probably was a little confusing to the Jewish people. Because again, they were looking for something else. And it wasn't just the the crowds that didn't understand. His disciples, they were struggling to fully get it. You know, it was was an interesting note what Pastor John was talking about last week of him spiritually or physically hearing the sight, healing the sight. Well, during that time, what he was really doing was spiritually healing this person. He was opening this person's eyes up spiritually kind of like what he's doing right now in this passage with the disciples. You know, it's hard for me not to look at this and go, I don't get it. These guys are idiots, right? I mean, they're hanging out with Jesus, and yet they don't understand. They don't fully understand who he is. And then I think, you know what? What about me? Like here, I'm, I'm past 50. I just went through ordination in seminary, and on a good day, on a good day, I, I probably confess Jesus is the Christ some. Like, I don't get it either. We all struggle to see the beauty and the freedom that comes with confessing that Jesus is the Christ. So let's, let's look at a couple other things I noticed in this passage. If we look at verse 27, 28, we see that they're referencing. So he's saying, hey, who do these people say I am? And they say John the Baptist and Elijah. Well, like, those people are probably pretty important. They're being compared to Jesus. Who who are they? So John the Baptist, he's found in the beginning of the Gospels. He prepared the way for Jesus. He spoke of him. He he, uh, baptized many people. He was compared to Elijah. Elijah is one of the most famous prophets of the Old Testament found in 1 and 2 Kings. You can see by this answer, the crowds, they don't really get it. They don't understand who Jesus is. They don't understand that he's the Christ. They think he's a good teacher, a great teacher, man of authority. And that's important, but they don't understand his mission. So let's pause here and and ask ourselves a question. Who do the people around us think Jesus is? What about our friends? We have friends that that maybe aren't followers of, of Jesus, of Christ. They wouldn't necessarily confess that. Who who would they say he is? You know, we might hear an answer like, hey, he's some guy in a book. I think there's a lot of people that that don't believe Jesus was a real person, even though there's a ton of evidence that he he was really a person in history. A lot of people would say he's a great teacher. He was a great teacher, a great man. He lived a life that, that we should model good teacher. Most of the world would say he was a prophet, or a lot of the world. 
Just like Jeremiah, Elijah, or Muhammad. People would say he's a prophet. And some people, even people that maybe are followers of Christ, would say he was a good man and he died for my sins. And that's not totally wrong, but Jesus is way more than that. Just like 2,000 years ago, we kind of misunderstand who Jesus is and what it means that he's the Christ. And Jesus knew that. He knows that we're doing that today. He knew that back then. And I think that's part of why he asked the second question. In verse 29, we see that he says, okay, to his disciples, like his guys, all right, but, but who do you say I am? Right? So I, I, that's the crowds, but who do you say? So it's like maybe we should have a different answer. His disciples. You know, he's asking us, who do you say I am? we should have a different answer than the crowds. Do we really understand and believe Jesus is the Christ? Does our life show that? We should all know that he's more than a man, that he's more than a a teacher. And we ought to be willing to share him with others. So here's the high point in in this passage where Jesus comes up with drama like Peter. Peter comes up like he does. This is a 16-chapter book, and it happens to be in that towards the end of chapter 8 that Peter comes up after Jesus says, who do, who do you all think I am? And he says, you're the Christ. It's like, man, I got it. This is good stuff. And then Jesus does something kind of weird. Right after that, he says, hey, don't, t- don't tell anybody. Isn't that, isn't that a little odd? Like if I was Jesus, I'd be like, hey, I'm the, sea, the Savior, Rick. Come on. Follow me. We got some good things to do. This is great. So why does Jesus, why does he do that? Why does he say, don't don't tell anybody? It's because their their hearts weren't ready. Their eyes had not been opened. Just like Pastor John said last week, they were not spiritually aware of who Jesus is. They were still looking for this king. And again, it wasn't just the crowds. The disciples, they didn't get it either. We saw just a few verses earlier, the disciples were Worried about food. This is right after Jesus has fed 4,000 with a few loaves and some, some fish. And not even Peter understood this. Again, they were all looking for a king to end their persecution. So Peter, he, he doesn't understand Jesus' mission. And, and we're going to see that Jesus rebukes him right after this and says, Hey, your, your thoughts are around man's thoughts, not God's Thoughts, And I think this is really important that the reality is in verse 29, what Peter says, you are the Christ. He's only partially right. Peter does not understand that confessing that Jesus is the Christ should affect him and us every day with all that we do, that it would free us, that it would give us hope and joy and purpose and would help us through our suffering. So to help us understand that Confessing Jesus is the Christ. We're going to look at who Jesus is and isn't, and we're going to look at who we are and aren't. So who Jesus isn't, well, the first thing is, we've said this, he's not just a good teacher. You know, he's way beyond who Elijah and who John the Baptist were. They were great teachers, but they didn't die on the cross to take away our sin to give us forgiveness, You know, Jesus is the very image of God. We see that in Colossians chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. From him, all things were created. All things were created through him, for him, and he holds it all together. That's way more 
than just being a good teacher. John 8 says, Jesus says, uh, hey, I'm not from this world. You know, if you're skeptical of who Jesus is, I, I can relate to that. You know, I grew up around the church um, in it, somewhere along the way, I started thinking Jesus is a good teacher. I took a, a great world religion class in college, um, opened my eyes up to all these other religions, and I'm like, how could billions of people get this wrong? Right? There's a lot of other people thinking other people are God besides Jesus. And so it was later in my 20s, and my life was a mess, by the way, in my 20s. It was later in my 20s when I was reading the Bible and I stumbled on C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia. You guys probably know Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, Mere Christianity, great theologian. And he poses this question that really stuck with me. And, and you guys have probably heard the question before, but, but you got to pick one. Like Jesus falls into one of these three categories and you got to pick. There's no other options. Jesus is a liar. He's a lunatic or he's the Lord. He's a liar. He knew he wasn't in Christ. And he loved the attention. Right? And he was carrying it out all the way to the very end. Now, he had a lot of opportunities to back out of this lie. Even at the very end. But he didn't. Okay? Or he was a lunatic. He was just crazy. Or he's the Lord. we got to pick one. I'd like to say, I don't really care what you pick. And then I think, well, that's not very loving. So what really is, is I do care. And we should all care. But no matter whether you're a Christ follower or not, you're in the image of God. And so we got to love you. We're, we're a little astray in our culture on this. We should love all people in the image of God. But the reality is if you don't choose that Jesus is the Lord, and that's upsetting. We should grieve that because that's got eternal consequence to it. One thing's for certain is he's not just a good teacher. He's got to be one of those three. For the Jewish people, Jesus was not a king. He wasn't the king they were looking for. And beyond that, we see this just, just after this. He says, hey, well, by the way, um, if you want to follow me, you need to deny everything. And then you can come after me. It's like, that's great. You know, nobody wants to suffer like that. And just like the people of the day, we just miss seeing and accepting that he's the Christ because we want our circumstances on earth to be better. It's as if Jesus is our cosmic vending machine. So let's talk about who Jesus is. Okay, so Jesus... We've already seen he's the very image of God on earth. He created all things and holds it together. That's Colossians chapter 1. He was before us in Genesis 1. He's coming back for us in Revelation. He's not only the creator of all things, he's going to restore all things. We see that in Romans 8. He's the judge of our souls. He determines our eternal salvation. That's John 5. He's our substitute, taking away the penalty of death, that he's our ransom for our lives. That's Mark 10, 45. He's a miracle maker. We see that all through Mark. He's our way maker. He's our way maker. He directs our steps from Proverbs 16. He keeps his promises. He says it in John 10 that no one, no one can snatch any of his family 
from his grasp. And then in Ephesians 2, he's our creator, our provider, and he gives us meaningful work. We should be celebrating this, right? Yeah, this is a big deal. He frees us, Jesus and who he is. It's not about our work. It's about who he is. He is worthy. His mission is to restore all things to him. That's his rescue mission for us. You know, it's through his death on the cross that he takes away our sin and makes us right before the Lord. But but this isn't over until he comes back. And we get to participate in heaven on earth. Think about that. There we're going to have relationships where there'll be no manipulation. And that'd be awesome. There we'll have meaningful work where we're passionate and experienced with that will be about loving our neighbor. In heaven, we'll be with Jesus. He'll be in union right there with us. We'll be able to enjoy him. We lose sight of this. Jesus is the Christ. He alone saves. And what he says is best for us. We've got to believe and trust that even if we don't understand it at times. We've got to. Just like the disciples, we're going to struggle at times. So let's talk about who we are and who we aren't, which may help us understand some of the struggles we have with our heart and why, why this is a, a challenge to really believe that, that Jesus is the Christ. The first thing that we have to accept that we aren't is the hero of the story. We're not our hero. You know, when we actually put everything at the feet of Jesus, all our problems, all of our stuff, we start to realize, hey, we're not the hero. He's the hero. It's not about me. My work is about loving others. My life is about others. That changes us. We have to also accept that we're really not, this is a shocker, we're not independent. This is a big deal in our country, man. We want freedom. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. We need to be dependent upon no one. You know, if we were in a society where there was a strong king in play, this would be a little different for us. We'd be used to doing what was good for the masses versus our own preference. And then we're also not free from sin. You know, our sin nature is so desperate. It is so desperate to get what we want. We go after the things that our heart desires, and a lot of times those things aren't good for us. They rob our joy. They take away our freedom. But we don't even see that. And this causes us to make bad decisions. It causes us stress in our family and, 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 and challenges in our work our marriage, and how we parent. I see this a lot. I used to see this a lot in, the, in, the, in my business career where somebody would be just a huge achiever. It would be somebody like me, and I, I wanted to be the hero of the story. And at some point, I, I forget to care for my family. I, I forget to, to grow other people. I see this a lot in the office, not necessarily in our church office, but in, in the work where people want to be independent. We don't want people telling us how to do our job. We want to be in control. We, we oftentimes don't even really want to listen to other people because of it. We certainly don't want to let people make mistakes, especially our kids. We don't want our kids to make mistakes because we want to be in control. And our desire, this sin desire that we have, 
It causes us to occasionally speak poorly of others. It allows gossip to be around us. We speak poorly of our employer or even our family. Man, this is a cancer. Gossip is a cancer, and the only way it's going to be cured is Jesus. So let's look at who we are when we confess that Jesus is the Christ and that he frees us. Now, i got to pause again and say, hey, this is only really applicable for those who really follow Christ. For those who believe. This is more than head knowledge. This is heart knowledge. That, that Jesus came. That He died on the cross. That He gives forgiveness to us. That He takes away our sin, the punishment that we so deserved. And He gives us right standing with God. And He was raised from the dead. We have to believe that. And when we do, because Jesus is God, we're changed. When we confess that He is Christ, we become a part of His family. Forever and ever, we are sons and daughters. We're heirs to the throne. What a beautiful gift. We're also in His image. We're ambassadors for Him. We're invited to be in this mission that He's got us on. You know, as our our vital grace workshop points out, the more we know and understand Jesus and His Grace, there are three things that really sink in. We are completely forgiven. We have nothing to hide. We have no shame. We are perfectly righteous in Jesus. We have nothing to prove. We have no guilt. We are eternally loved. We have nothing to fear. Those are amazing things. But we don't believe it so often. We know suffering is coming. It might not be upon us today, but it's, it's around the corner. And we forget that Jesus is promising to restore us, to restore all things to him. Now, I found this, this great little verse in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, that I thought was good to share right now. It says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. This, this is freedom. It doesn't get any better than that to be confirmed and restored in Jesus. As we learn to confess that Jesus is the Christ every day, He starts to take away every day our fears and our guilt and our shame because we start to really actually believe Jesus loves us. So skeptic, if, if you don't believe... you you got to answer the questions. you got to pick one. Liar, lunatic, or Lord, you got to pick one. And if we've already professed Jesus, we got to remember that, that we forget. We forget what this really means in our life, the practicalness, that we forget to be dependent upon Him. You know, I'm convinced that every issue in our life has a heart component. It's why we can't flourish in God's grace, because of the the idolatry of our heart. We lose sight of knowing what's Jesus see me? How does he see me? How does he love me? What does he have for me? And it is a challenge. But as we think of him every minute, every hour, as we confess that Jesus is the Christ, he will change us. And this is what we mean by saying to preach the gospel to yourself every day. As we confess that, 
He does a work on us. And like Pastor Tim said a couple weeks ago, we gotta, we got to go to Christ to get help to fight our unbelief. We need to pause all the time. When we feel our heart sad, angry, disappointed, frustrated, we sense that. Capture that and confess Jesus is Christ. This will change us. This will affect our life. We've got to confess our unbelief right in that moment. This is freeing. When we start confessing Christ regularly, well, we realize we're not the, the hero of our story, and it, and it frees us. It helps us to want to pray for others, to, to care for others, to, to want to share them with other people. You know, hopefully we're going to see now that we can't be free. We can't flourish in God's grace without confessing and really believing that Jesus is the Christ. we got to understand who He is. And I'm telling you, right now, Jesus is the Christ. Amen. Yeah. So we get an opportunity to do something. We don't do a whole lot here as a church. And we're going to read together the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is a great way to remind us of who Jesus is. So you guys would stand with me. So this creed, kind of shockingly, well over a thousand years old, agreed to by many church leaders, it is a common set of beliefs that is way beyond our church, way beyond our church denomination. This is a moment for us as a, as a group of people of believers, followers of Christ, to recognize we're a part of the invisible church. This is a big deal. It's a moment to feel connected and to love one another and to confess who Jesus is. So read with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Lord, thank You. Thank you for bringing us together for thousands of years as a, as a church, as a body of believers, Lord, to do your mission. And Father, I just beg you to do a work on our hearts to help us know and believe, to trust, to be dependent upon you, to, to, to admit that you are the Christ and we aren't. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to, to, to love you every day and to really see how you view us every day. Lord, as we come to take this meal, this communion meal together, Lord, let us remember the beautiful work that you've done, and then, Lord, help us to be nourished spiritually by you, to be in union with you, Lord. Call us to be with you now, Lord, and help us to love one another.
and to see that we're to, in this together. It's in your wonderful son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Vine CC. Have a great week.